So I have for a year, I think, I don't know the date, I could look back and look at it, I think it's been around a year and a half, this fellowship has been going this time, maybe two years, I'm not really sure, maybe closer to two years, I don't, I don't know. But in that time, I always wanted to share my testimony. But I'll tell you, I kind of saved it on purpose for a week that I was so busy that I couldn't prepare. Gardner's laughing, he understands. And so that was this week. <laughs> but I also thought that we need, as a fellowship, to have nights to share our testimonies more. And so I'm going to share my testimony today. I actually got about halfway through this the, um, sermon, and I was like, you know, this is the time. And it's neat, everyone, most people have showed up today, because I think most, in fact, I think everyone here, no one here knows my testimony. I know. You know, you listen to it? Yeah. Ah, uh, you can listen to it online. There is, But I'm going to go my personal testimony more than what called me to Myanmar today. Because uh, there's out there, is a, someone listened to it the other day, I got a comment back. It's a testimony of God's calling my family to Myanmar. But I want to go way back. And the reason why that this got prompted, I believe, by the Holy Spirit this week that I will share. So join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you again. I just thank you. As I'm going to share my testimony, Lord, I just pray as they hear the things about me, what I want them to hear, Lord, is you. I want them to hear about how you've always been there for me, how you've always had a purpose for me, how you've always watched out for me, how you've always protected me, how you've always loved me, and how you've always bestowed your mercy and grace upon my life. Even when I was not walking with you, but I was actually walking against you, Lord. I want them to hear today, Lord, how great the God is that we serve, Lord, and how much you love each and every one of them, just like you loved me, Lord. And how you carried me through the times that were the worst in my life, and how you lifted me up, and how you just healed my relationships and my life. Lord, let them this be a testimony of you. This isn't about me. This isn't about anyone else. This is us speaking about the glory of you and the God that we serve. We love you, Lord. Just bless this time. I just pray that they hear from you and about you through your Holy Spirit upon me today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In a galaxy long, far, far away. No, I'm just kidding. So I want to give you guys just to get to know me a little bit, from my early childhood all the way up till today, because I think most of you really don't know me. You know me as a pastor, you know me here as my family, but you really don't know what led up to that point. And I think it's important that you have an understanding, because I think a lot of you are going to be kind of surprised. Really surprised, actually. So as you know, I'm from the States. I'm going to start way back to my birth. My mom was 18 years old when she became pregnant with me. And the man that my father, biological father at that time, left before I was born. And then my mom, she actually married another man, and that relationship ended also. Then married another man. My mom, unfortunately, I love her. I have an awesome relationship with her today. But... She made some difficult choices when she was younger. And 
Uh, not all of them were great, uh, but uh, she's just an amazing woman and been just a loving mother to me always. But some of the decisions she made earlier on, so I'm going to talk about that. But uh, I want you to know also, she's just in my life today and such a blessing to me and one of my greatest supporters of us being here today. So I'm going to clarify that as I go. So she ended up marrying another man, um, and they were married for mm, about 12 years. And when she married that man, he had already had a daughter. So then I gained a stepsister. So I had an older stepsister, then there was me. And then with my mom and him, they had two other daughters. And so now I had three sisters and me. So I grew up very, very poor, which, you know, that's such a relative term when you're standing here in Lenore. But in the States, I was pretty much as poor as you could be. Uh, we lived in a house without electricity. Uh, we lived in the middle of winter. The only heat we had was wood that we'd go and chop at one point. We didn't have running water to save. Uh, so when I say poor, for the States, I was poor. Um, the clothes all I all had were all gifted by other people, sometimes by churches or just from people. You know, the toys that I was given as a kid mostly were like other people felt bad for us and give them your old toys. So I grew up like that, just very, very poor. Uh, the guy that she had married, he never seemed to quite get a good job. Um, he had other alternatives in his life. Um, he liked to do drugs, liked to drink, very abusive, um, just not really a great guy. Uh, I went through life as a young child just never fitting in. You know, I would go to school. I was a kid that didn't have the clothes to fit in. Um, I, just, I just didn't fit in at all because my family was so poor and I had no self-confidence because of growing up like that. And so I just, I don't know, it was just interesting. I didn't have any friends. And then about 10 years old, my parents got divorced. But I'll go back one year before that. My, the man that my mom had married at that point and it had legally adopted me. Now, in Myanmar, maybe you don't quite get what that is, but in the States, you can adopt a person. So they were married, but I still was not legally his son. So he adopted me at 10 years old. And he did this for lots of different reasons, but then one year later, they got divorced. So you can imagine... He now had to pay child support on me, where he would not have if he hadn't adopted me. And so I, he told me about that. So you can imagine as a child, he's like, why did I ever adopt you? The only reason she had me adopt you is so I could get, she could divorce me a year later and get money. So this is the kind of man he was. Very abusive. Um, I was just a young child, you know, 10, 11 years old. And so we lived in a very small town. It was a mining town in the middle of Nevada. And it was like six, 700 people. And I lived in that town, very poor. And then when they got divorced, my mom married another man. And he lived in the big city, Salt Lake City, Utah. So I went from growing up extremely poor, living in just trailers and run-down houses, to moving to a modern big city. Um, for many people here in Myanmar, it'd be like if you grew up in the village in your entire life and then moved downtown Myanmar. It was, I didn't fit in, I was not part of that culture, I didn't understand, I mean the kids wore clothes, I, I didn't talk like them, I didn't act like them, I didn't fit in, and uh, I didn't do well at all, and I couldn't make friends, um, I was very upset with my mom and what she had did, 
Uh, I gained a whole other family. I gained two brothers and a sister. So my family got much bigger at that point. And at that point, I started getting into my teenage years. You know, like 13, 14 years old. And at that time, I just, I had so many different feelings inside that I didn't feel a part of. My mom, during this whole time, was a Christian. She went to church. She took me to church. She told me that, um, if I, you know, she told me about Jesus. But I would see our life and what we grew up in. And I'm like, if this is what Christianity is, I want no part of this. Why would you want that? I grew up just poor and abusive relationships. And I'm like, why would you want this? But I was searching. And in my teenage years, as I was searching, I was hurting. I couldn't make friends. And I finally found a way. And it wasn't through positive things. It was through drugs. It was through alcohol. It was through living a lifestyle um, in games. Um, I ran around with some guys that were just, uh, I think every one of them is in prison or dead now. Um, all through my younger middle school and high school years. And so I got into drugs. I sold drugs. Many of you probably look at me like, no, you don't know, you know that previous life. And I was searching and I found an identity in that. And when I was drinking and when I was doing drugs, I forgot about all them things that had happened to me. And I, I had confidence. When I would drink and do drugs, I'd have confidence to talk to people, to talk to girls, to be part of a group of people that I'd never been. And I had friends inside of that culture, that drug and alcohol culture, that gang culture. I had friends. I had people that actually cared for me and wanted to hang out with me when no one in my entire life did before. And so I embraced that. And I ran with that. But about 17 years old, as I was just going like crazy, doing all the things you shouldn't be doing, I had gotten really bad at the drugs. Really bad. Uh, to the point of intravenous drug use. Um, I had died several times and come back. And I knew at that time, I, didn't, I was not saved. But I tell you today, and I knew then, God had saved me. I had moments of clarity at times where literally I found myself lying there, OD'd on the ground, and God had picked me up and saved me and brought me back. I was not saved. God had a plan for me, a different plan for me. I knew it at that time that was God that did that. That does not mean I surrendered my life to Him in any which way. But I knew that was God. And I continued just during that destructive path of drugs and alcohol and uh, not, it wasn't just drugs and alcohol, though. It was, it was all that whole lifestyle that I was in. And finally, the law caught up with me. And in one week, I got arrested three different times. Uh, one of them was at a school. And I got caught distributing drugs in a school. I had seven felonies when I was 17 years old and I was arrested. And I was looking at doing long-term prison time because of being caught in a school doing what I was doing. And uh, I did not come to the Lord at that time, but I did come to a realization that's not the life I wanted. I didn't want to spend my life in prison. And I knew that if I continued that type of behavior and that type of lifestyle, that I would end up in prison forever. And I was very, very fortunate. And I, I, it wasn't fortunate, I believe 100% today, that it was God that saved me from going to prison. 
I plead out and I got tried as a minor and basically I had to serve time and then I had to you know do the drug I had to go into a center and I had to do a bunch of different stuff for many many a year or two I don't know how long it was and I got out and I knew that's not the lifestyle that I wanted but I also knew that there was something else out there I knew that I thought that if I would work hard if I would get a good job and I'd make a lot of money and I could get, you know, have a wife and I could just have this happy life. I thought I could find that. So I gave up all the drinking, I gave up all the drugs and found a new drug and that was work. And I dedicated my life to working. I worked very hard. I worked three, four, three or four jobs at a time. I would go work, you know, the eight or 10 hours at the one job and then I'd work at night delivering pizzas and then on my days off I'd do other side work and then I, mean, I work seven days a week, 14, 15 hours a day every single day. Because I knew there was an emptiness deep inside of me, a hole that just, I knew if I worked hard enough and I got enough money and I got, that that hole would be filled. I knew drugs and alcohol weren't the answer, so I gave up on that. Now I turned to work into money. I worked hard for year after year trying to build what I thought would fill that emptiness in me, that would fill that hurt that I had grown up with. And I tried, you know, it was exciting. And I thought as soon as, okay, if I, if I can work hard enough, I can build a house. And if I get that house, I'll be happy. If I find a beautiful wife and I get married, I'll be happy. Then, if I can have a family, I'll be happy. Maybe in America, you know, you talk, the, the analogy is that you have a white picket fence, two children, and a Labrador dog. And you got it all, right? Well, I did that, just exactly like that. I thought if I achieve all of these things, that would fix the pain, the hurt, the emptiness that was inside of me. So I started to work towards that, and I worked extremely hard. I've always been a hard worker, very dedicated in everything I do. So I worked so hard at that. You know, I accomplished it. I met my wife, Vicki. I was 18 years old. She was 16. I'm going to share some things that you're like, wow, we moved in together when she was 16, I was 18. She also comes from a very difficult background. And she had nowhere to go at 16 years old, basically. And so she came to live with me. So at 18, this is not, obviously this is not what we, should, we teach our children and hope for our children for anyone, but this is our testimony and this is how God, God has used that. So she moved in with me when she was 16, I was 18. And she had the same motive. She thought if she worked hard enough, if she went to school, if she got her degree, if she did all these things, she could be happy. She could have that, that emptiness filled also. So we both had the same plan to work hard, to achieve something, to get the titles, to get the money, and then we would be okay. Everything in our life would just be okay. So we both set out to do that money. Work hard. We got married. I was 20 years old. She was 18 years old. We got married had no intention of having children. They were going to get in the way at that time of all the material desires that we had. 
so children at that time were not even an option because that was a hindrance at that time. That would come later, I thought, but we had to, we had to have both careers, we had to have a bunch of money, we had to have a house, and we had to, if we got them things, everything would be okay. And we would be happy and live a happy life. So we both worked very, very hard. At 21 years old, I built a great big house. Very nice house. Uh, in a very, very nice area, right on the, it's like a Country Club Drive is the name of the street. It was a very prestigious area, one of the nicest areas, great big house. Uh, we sold that house for half a million uh, later, to give you an idea. And so I built this house and I'm like, I got it done. I remember, I got it done. We were standing there, I'm like, this is it. The happiness is going to pour out upon me. These holes in my heart are going to be filled. It didn't work. It didn't work at all. That emptiness, that void, that hurt was still there. And I thought, well, maybe I need children. Boy, that's a bad idea, wasn't it? If you are thinking that bringing children into your red life is going to make your life better, oh Lord, I'm going to tell you, that made it so much worse. I, we had two beautiful children, Aaron and Jocelyn. But when we had them, I thought, you know, if I have kids, that'd be, that's what will make me happy. This is what will complete me. This will give me, I'll be a father, and I'll be a great father. I'll be the father that, I'll be the father that I never had. I'm going to be ten times the father that I never had. I'm going to be the best father ever. You know what's funny? I wasn't. I was a horrible father in many years. Horrible. It's amazing how my intentions were right. I didn't know how to be a father. I didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't know how to be a friend. I didn't know any of them things. I never had that in my life. I didn't even know what... I had some imaginary picture of what that looked like. I really had no idea what it meant to be any of them things. So we went through many years of our life, thinking I both, searching, trying to accumulate things all the way from jobs to houses to kids, all these things. I was a pillar of society. I mean, you look, I had started a business. I literally, when I say I made millions, I made millions. I moved, I sold that house. I made a much bigger house. You pull up to my garage, and all these garage doors lined up. You open the garage, it was like a brand new 60,000 SUV. Next garage door, brand new 70,000 dollar truck. The boat, the camper, the quads, the Corvette, the Jeep, all these garage doors. Big old house on this big, huge park property. Going to church on Sunday. Travis's church, actually you guys met him. Big house, donating tons of money to the church. I was hurting so bad inside. I was so broken. I had achieved all the dreams, all the aspirations that I ever hoped to do, all for the single purpose to fill that hole inside of me. To feel loved. To feel wanted. To feel complete. Just to be, to have a sense that self-worth. I had achieved all of it. I didn't know what else I could even do. I mean, I had done it all. None of it worked. My marriage was a complete wreck. Vicky hated me. I'm using that term loosely. She hated me. I was the, I was such an angry, angry, angry man. 
and everything I tried, nothing ever fixed it. I, I, day after day, I wanted to be a different man, and day after day, I failed. I remember I started drinking at that time because I just I couldn't even face life. I'd, I'd just drink and drink, and I'd go to work, and I'd work like 12, 14-hour days, and then I'd just go and I'd drink, and then I'd get home at like 12 o'clock at night. I'd get up at like 6 o'clock and go do it every day, day after day after day. I was just a miserable, miserable person. And then Vicky, inside of all this, Vicky got saved. When Aaron Jr. was born, Vicky saw him and said, there's got to be a God. There's got to be something else out there. And she just, she could share her testimony. She's like, I, she, she will share. She's like, I thought there was, she thought there was no hope for her. But she wanted to make sure that our children, there was hope for them. So she started attending church. And we don't, like me and my family, we don't do anything really half-hearted. So she jumped in full board. Because I went to church too, but I wasn't really going to church. She got in, she was going to Bible study, she was reading her Bible, she was going to women's services, she was going to church every Sunday. And she became what I considered a Jesus freak. Driving me crazy. Driving me crazy. Buying me a Bible for Christmas. Why would you do that? I mean, there's a lot of other gifts you could have given me. Um, and she just started just really getting into God's Word. She was truly surrendered to Jesus. I was not. I was still living that wretched life, trying to search. But I wasn't even searching anymore. I'd given up searching and figured out this is it. There's nothing else to do. Vicky would pray prayers because I was so angry and such a, a horrible... She'd do like pray prayers to do whatever it takes for him to come see you. Or if it takes him getting in a wreck when he's drunk, that's what it's going to take for him. So be it. She'd pray prayers like that. She'd pray prayers that maybe he will come. There'll be such a revival in his life that he'll become a pastor one day. Now, nothing, nothing I did worked. Nothing could fill that hole. I'd given up on life. I'd given up on my marriage. And this is, you know, I had everything still. I had a great big house, a lot of money, and cars, and had all these things. And I just, I'd given up. And, you know, I'd, I'd given up on my marriage. And I said, you know, I don't want to be married anymore. My plan was to go down to Mexico and drink myself to death, basically. I wasn't a suicide guy. I was just going to go obliviate myself somewhere in Mexico. Um, it was my plan, basically. And so I was... I'd just given up. And I couldn't fix... I left one night in my home. And Vicki, maybe some of you maybe have heard this. Um, she went over to the Pastor Travis's house that night because I had left. And they had prayed. And uh, I went out and I went around town and trying to find a house. I was like, what am I going to do? You know, I, and uh, I don't know what happened, but I just, the Lord spoke to me. 
And I said, just go home. Go back to your house. And I went back there and I was just broken, surrendered. Not to God, just to, I'd given up. And Vicki said, and I got back, and she's like, well, Pastor Travis, and I, you know, I really didn't want to hear from a pastor. <laughs> the last person I wanted to hear from. Um, I, didn't, I went to church, but it did, I wasn't surrendered. And we'll meet with us. So we went that next day to the church office, and we sat down with Pastor Travis. And I just said, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I just give up. I'm done. I'm done with everything. With my marriage, with life. My business was actually, this is a, something you may know in 2008. This is when the economy was just failing. Um, I was on the verge of losing everything. And, you know, at that point, I didn't even care anymore. Because I already gained it all. And it didn't do what it was supposed to do. It didn't fix me. I didn't even care if I lost it. Because it didn't matter. The, the money and the physical things, they're all for a reason. And they didn't serve that purpose. The purpose was to make me happy and fix that hole in my heart. I had gained it all. It didn't work. So I didn't even care if I lost it. Um, my marriage didn't fix that hole in my heart. Didn't care. Children didn't fix me. And I just said, Travis, I don't know. I, I give up. I don't know what to do. And he said, I want you just to spend, just take one week, just give me one week. And I want you to open your Bible each and every day and read it. And I want you just to pray each and every day. And obviously, then you say, my God, I mean, every pastor could say that to someone. But I've come to a point of true surrender. And I, 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 that next day, I prayed. And I just said, you know, Lord, I give up. There's nothing, I have nothing more to offer. I can't, I, there's nothing I can try. There's nothing I can even think to do. No goal to set. I give up. And I surrendered every single thing. Not knowing what he was going to do with me. When I laid that down, I laid my marriage down, I laid my life down, I laid my kids down, I laid my money down, I laid every single thing down. It's just saying, here it is. Do with it whatever you want. That was it. And God started working on me. I started... It was a slow process for me. <laughs> I'm very hard-headed. But God got a hold of me. He started filling that hole in my heart. And I fell in love with Jesus. He fixed what nothing in this world could ever fix. He made me complete. What is cool? He... Through time, restored my marriage. He restored my relationship with my children. And all of this was because I surrendered to Him. And I said, Lord, I'm yours. And I did. I, for two years, I sat in the front row of that church. I had already gone to that church before. It's not that I hadn't gone, but I sat in the very front row. So all I could do was sit there and cry. And uh, Travis didn't see me. You know, he's the only one that can see it. And uh, I just, I said, Lord, whatever you'll do with my life, do it. 
Now, a lot of people come to the Lord when they're broke and they have different family issues going and, oh, God restored all this to me. Well, I lost everything. Uh, the economy did not get better. Uh, we lost the business. Uh, I lost the house. I lost. I had to sell every single thing we had and lost. I had to give it all back to the banks and everywhere it went. And I was glad to see every piece of it go. I gave up literally every single thing we had. And we as a family then came together and came under God and we started our lives as Christians, as a Christian family. And at that point, our lives just changed radically. We became a nice relationship. We started to, both of us did not know how to be a husband, wife, or parent. We didn't have examples. And we started to dig deep into God's Word and learn how to be a parent, how to be a husband, how to, how to be a friend to each other. The Lord had just continued week after week, month after month. This was a process. He restored both of us. It was a process year after year. That process is not complete today, guys. I'm going to tell you. That sanctification is still happening today. But it's a world of difference from 10 years ago. And as I went through and I just said, Lord, use me in any which way you can. Whatever you have for me, I will do whatever you ask. And things in my life, after we lost everything... Vicky and I started working on our relationship. Things started getting a lot better. But we still had trials. We still had young, bad days. Marriages are work. Not every day is great. Uh, even today. Even a pastor, a pastor's wife, some days are rough. It's not always great. Uh, of course, we learned a lot of tools and deal with each other a lot differently than we used to. But as time went on, I just said, Lord, You've given me what I searched for my entire life. And that was a peace in my heart. That was a feeling of His love. That was Him being within me. And a peace that I, is inexplainable to anyone. I no longer was searching through jobs and money. I found it. I found forgiveness of my sins for all the things I had done. I had been redeemed. I let go of all that guilt for all the year after year, all the bad things that I had done. God took that from me. And then, as He restored me in my marriage, He started in my house. He started within that little church. And then as time went on, He asked for more. And it was time that my family and I would go out and do more. So, we started in Eureka, Nevada, we had started a small Bible study in the house. It was eight years ago. We'd have it every week. I would teach it. And as time went on, I felt the Lord was calling me into ministry. Uh, he had actually spoken this to me, but I never shared it for probably a year or two years. Because how could God use a person like me? I don't have, like, Travis was here, and that guy, like, is a walking walk, Bible encyclopedia. I mean, he just, scripture after scripture, he can quote, he knows. I don't have that. I didn't grow up that way. I didn't have that. I don't have that education. I don't have that background. How could God ever use a person like me? So I didn't even share that I felt called into ministry for a long time because I didn't think I was worthy. 
I didn't think I was educated enough. And if you knew my past, really was not qualified. I felt I was disqualified because of the life I had lived before. You know, God doesn't call the qualified. He equips the call. I had to learn that. And he did equip me. And he took me and he called me to a different place in my life where I would spend two years in Bible college. And then I would sit a year underneath a church. And he gave me the tools that I would need later to fill his calling on my life. And all that was because I was willing. And I tell you, my life today is better than I could ever, ever imagine. Is no, I, I never would have dreamed of it. This is not what I dreamed when I was a kid, or even a young adult, and you say, I'm going to be a pastor of Neymar. Or, you know, I dreamed of the big house and the big cars. I tell you, I'm happier than, I have an inner peace and a, uh, a feeling inside of me that is greater than anything I could have ever imagined. I want to get a little bit just into scripture, because I used to, as I went through all them years, I wanted to be the person that I wasn't. I used to go to Pastor Travis. I say, "How do I become the man that I want to become?" Just a little bit. Listen closely. How I how that I want to become. There's something wrong with that. We need to become the person God wants us to become. But at that time, I was asking, like, "How do I be that father that I'm not? How do I be that husband that I'm not?" And I remember each day, I would drive home from work, and I would I would pray. Lord, let me go home today. Let me arrive at my house and be that person that I should be. Let me be the loving dad that I never had. Let me be the loving husband that I never witnessed in my younger years. You know what It happened each day? I failed. I was never that person. Year after year after year, this went on in my life. I couldn't do it. I would, I would fall into sin time and time and time again. I just, I couldn't understand why couldn't I become that person? I struggled. I was hard on myself. That's why I wanted to. Those of you who got your Bibles, open up to Romans. Romans chapter 6. As I was struggling month after month after month, year after year, to be, I wanted to be something different. I didn't want to be that hateful, angry, hurting person that I was. And I remember one night I was reading my Bible and I read this. Maybe some of you have verses that's changed your life. This was a verse, a passage that changed my life forever. Verse 21, chapter 6 of Romans. I have discovered this principle of life, that when I want to do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. I love God's law with all of my heart, but there is another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. That's who I was. I was a slave to sin. I didn't want to be 
that person that I was. Every part of me didn't want to be that man. No matter how hard I tried, year after year, I could not break free from it. My behaviors were unspeakable. The things I said, the anger that I showed my family is inexcusable today, even. I didn't want to be that man. I wanted to be a better person. I couldn't do it. We cannot do it ourselves. I fought it, I fought it, I faced it. I, I would get so angry because I didn't want to be that person anymore. I knew what I was doing was wrong. I knew the drinking was wrong. I knew the staying out late was wrong. I knew how I talked and treated my wife was wrong. I knew not being there for my children was wrong. I didn't want to be that way. I didn't want to be that man. I didn't want to be the man that I grew up with, that father that I grew up with. But I had become that person. Nothing I did changed that behavior. I fought and fought, I cried, I screamed, I tried everything you can imagine to not be that man. Continue. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? This was my testimony. I was going to church. I was still that man. I even would go to lead a midweek Bible study. Behind closed doors, my life was nothing but sin. But this is coming from Apostle Paul. He wrote more chapters in the Bible than anyone else. He dealt with this. We deal with this. There's freedom. Thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law. Because of my sinful nature, I am a slave to sin. It is through Jesus Christ that we can break these chains. That we no longer have to be that old man. We can become that new man in Christ. Once we have accepted and surrendered our lives to Jesus Christ... We have the power of God living within us. We no longer have to be that person, that old man. He is dead and dies with us when we accept Jesus Christ. I went to church for years, but I was not surrendered to God. I searched every which way, but never was really turning and surrendering to the Lord. It was not until I truly laid down my life a broken broken man and said, Lord, here I am. I give up. It was then my life changed radically. And I became that Jesus freak. I became that man that loved God more than anything else. It was then that he healed me. Healed that hole in my heart. He redeemed me. It was then that I knew peace in my soul. I no longer feared hell. So I know where my place is now in eternity is there with God in heaven. I know that more than anything else. Any other fact there is, I know that. Where my place is is in heaven. 
And I also know that Jesus loves me, knowing every single thing about me that I've ever done. He knows every single thing I did. And if it was only for me, he would have died on that cross. If it was only for me, God, if it was only for me, God would have sent his own one begotten son to face that punishment. I think we need to remember that sometimes. If it be just for one, if it just was for you, it still would have all taken place. That's how much he loves you. All that time, all that years searching for that love, it was there the whole time. All I had to do was seek him. Years later, I stand here in front of you just grateful for the mercy of God. Thank you for his grace because I'll tell you, I did not get what I deserved. And I have gotten so much more than I could ever have expected. I have a beautiful family. I have four beautiful children. I have so many friends, my family. God has provided for us in every which way out throughout the years. And it's not in the ways of, you know, cars or money. I mean, he's provided that too. But that's pretty minor compared to all the other things he's given me. And I know, no matter what I face, who I am in Christ. I am his... Do you know who you are? So it will change your life forever. So my testimony is one that I came from a very broken background. And I sought out year after year to be a different person and achieving things to fix that loneliness. And finally coming to a point of brokenness and saying, I, I've given up. But look, God was there waiting for me. The whole time. I didn't need to go through half that stuff, but I guess I didn't need to. But you know, years and years and years before I came to the Lord, the Lord was there protecting me. He knew we would be sitting here today. He knew when I was doing all the crazy things as a teenager, He preserved me. Because I didn't end up in prison. I didn't end up dead. I didn't end up brain dead for some of the things I was doing. I should have. He preserved me. Even in them times. He preserved my marriage. That was not me. My marriage would have failed. 100%. God preserved that because he had a purpose in my life. God was there the whole time. I just thank you. I, I, a lot of you probably never heard my testimony. I mean, there's a lot of details in there that most of us don't worth sharing in the past. I'm glad a lot of it's in the past from my previous life. But I just, you know, I see a lot of people and they see like a pastor and they see you up there and they see your family and they think, oh, you know, he lived this... We all have stories. We all have testimonies. Each one is different. Each one is unique. But God should be there. And it's God who restored me. It's God who's still restoring me. It's God just He's blessing me every each and every day. Just thank you. I thank you for being part of my life. I thank you for you guys are all part of my testimony today. You guys are all part of God's testimony, what he's doing here today. Well, everyone has a testimony. Some people grew up in Christian homes and they say, oh, I didn't. Everyone has a testimony. 
Everyone needs to come to a point, even if they grew up in the church, of surrender. Where they say, Lord, I'm yours. And you mean that with every aspect of their life. You know what, though? Guess what? We need to do that every day, though, don't we? It doesn't end. You don't just do it, and then that's it. Every day, you got to go, Lord, I'm about ready to get up out of bed. I haven't done anything wrong today, but I haven't got out of bed yet. Lord, how will you use me today, Lord? Go with me today. Show me how I can be used, Lord. Fill me with your spirit, Lord. Equip me for the need, the work that you have for me today, Lord. And then, I'll get up out of bed, stub my toe, and have to restart again. Some days are like that. Some days are good. But they're all good. God is good all the time. Amen? We can, uh, I'd like, in the future, a month or two, I'd like someone else to share their testimony. If you feel God is calling you to share your testimony, please talk to me. I'd like maybe once every few months for someone to share their testimony. I think it's good to get to know each other, to see how God has transformed our lives, to see how God's grace has been poured out on our lives. I think it's good. So please, pray about that, sharing your own testimony. So you can come up here and share with us about what God has done. The worship team, so wait, if the worship, half the congregation can come up. <laughs> we come up. I'd like to close with a few songs. And as they come up, I'd like to open it up for just a question or two. Does anyone have any questions about my testimony? I'd like you to get to know me a little better. So if the worship team can please come up. Anyone have any questions? No questions? We gotta pray for Phoebe when she comes up. We gotta pray for her as she's going back home. Next week we will meet here. No mistakes, everyone. We will meet here next week. The next two weeks we'll be here still. I just know it's going to happen at some point. Someone's going to get confused. <laughs> I can see now. I know it's, I'm going to say like 15 times. I know it's going to happen. We are meeting here next week. Uh, thank you guys for all for coming. Uh, I'm going to ask Phoebe to close in a song or something. All in all. Oh, okay. I'll get uh, someone back there to do words. Let me get someone back there to do words. God bless you guys. Please join me in prayer right now. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity just to share about my life. Just that brokenness that I came from, Lord. And then all the different ways I sought out. Sought out a way to fill that hole, that void in my soul. Seeking it through all these different methods, Lord. Trying so hard, so desperately wanting to be a different person. To be a, a different man. But finally coming before you, Lord, surrendering, crying out to you, Lord, saying, here I am. Say, Lord, I give up. There's nothing, I have nothing else to offer. I tried it all, nothing worked. And then you, getting a hold of me, changing my life 
in ways that were unimaginable to me, Lord. Blessing me in ways that are indescribable, Lord. Loving me in ways that I still can't even grasp or understand today, Lord. I just thank you, Lord. I pray everyone here would have a testimony that you got a hold of them in a way that's indescribable, Lord. That you bless them in ways that they don't even know it's beyond their comprehension. That they would, you would pour out love on top of their lives, Lord. They would feel your presence in ways that would just cause them, Lord, just to worship you. So hear our worship now, Lord, and thank you so much for this time. God bless you this time, Lord. In Jesus' name.